I'm speaking with two-time Emmy-winning composer Trevor Morris, whose renowned work spans uh, television, uh, video games, and film. Uh, recently, Trevor scored Vikings for the History Channel and has Olympus Has Fallen in theaters, directed by Antoine Fuqua. Uh, Trevor is also known for his amazing scores to the Tudors and the Borgias on Showtime. Uh, thank you so much for speaking with me today, Trevor. Thanks for having me. So I guess let's start with uh, with Vikings. Uh, I was so excited when I heard you were doing the series since it kind of places you in another part of history. It seems you're like this go-to guy for, uh, I mean, you're becoming an expert with uh, <laughs> with these historical dramas. And uh, you always add something fresh and new in your, uh, in your signature voice every time. Uh, so when you approach a series like be it Vikings or the Borgias or the Tudors, how do you determine the soundscape of that world and what the music should sound like? Well, you know, it's both... It's it's hard, but it's also one of the parts of my job I love the most, which is, you know, just developing a language in its own way, you know, uh -huh. that's hopefully new. In the case of, you know, the Tudors, for example, you know, we we now know we were really reinventing the costume drama. The whole series was reinventing the costume drama for everyone who would come after us. It was kind of breaking the mold, so... Yeah, that process was was tough. It was trying to figure out what would work and what was modern enough and what was not modern enough or what was correct to the period or what, you know, um, it, it still sounds like movie music, you know. Uh -huh. um, in, the, in the case of Vikings, there is very little recorded music or any notion of what music was or even instrumentation from that period. So, you know, I'm obviously completely free to do whatever I want, but I, I tend to sort of try to find something that speaks to me of the place rather than be actually musicology speaking correct. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that part doesn't interest me as much. I don't, I don't think it's important that I use exactly the right instrument that was used for that, you know, place and time because the shows I'm making don't need that. They're a modern reinterpretation of, of the life of King Henry or of, you know, of the Pope or in this case, the Viking culture, you know, so it's kind of a, ju a jumping off point more than it is sort right. of allegiance right right so for vikings uh what was the the goal musically specifically for that for that series did it pose any new challenges that you hadn't experienced on other shows you worked on yeah very much so vikings was hard man we um we did a, we did a lot of different uh, attacks at that score to find the tone because you know if you look at what you see on screen there's a lot of wood and earth and leather and ice and you know very natural elements and I tried a completely live, organic, all-natural approach. We recorded everything live. Wow. Every percussion part, every, every fiddle, everything was recorded with a microphone. And no one liked it, strange as it may seem. We all <laughs> thought, well, it should be something else. It should be a modern thing. So I did a completely synth synthetic-driven score. It was all more like Cliff Martinez, for lack of a better word. I didn't like that either. So we end whittled our way down to the the uh i guess the right combination of things there is some synth elements there is some orchestra in there there is some folky quality and i think that blend is what makes it unique uh-huh so and now moving to olympus has fallen uh this film reminds me a lot of kind of the great 90s action films that i i love like the rock and crimson tide and and they always have the most fun, dramatic, kind of rousing, entertaining scores in your view what is the key to a successful action score uh, well, this particular movie, although it's an action thriller, um, Antoine and I try to stay away from too much of the busy, busy action stuff, and there's uh -huh. some of that in there. But, you know, it's funny you mentioned the 90s, is, you know, Antoine and I are both movie lovers, and we talked about Crimson Tide and movies like that, and, you know, for us, 
the, the key to making Olympus work was sort of two things. One is to make sure it always felt real, like what you're watching is possible or could be possible to happen. Right. At the same time, support the emotion. There's actually a lot of emotion in this movie, considering that it's, I guess, a quote-unquote popcorn movie. But, you know, we go through a lot of different emotional changes, and the music sort of tracks alongside that to help keep the audience engaged in, in the story, really. Mm-hmm. And, and working with Antoine Fuga, I mean, I've heard he's a very musically inclined director. Uh, what, what did he communicate to you when you first met about the project? And, like, what, and how did you kind of use him in your process? He's very musically inclined, uh, which is a tremendous gift as a composer to have someone who is so in tune with music. He loves music. He's a music fan. He loves movie music. So we were already in a great place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he had a temp score that was in place. It had some parts that were kind of a good guide, but most of it was not. And he just talked a lot about how he wanted to make sure that we felt, we felt, um, you know, the, the most amount of emotion, whatever that emotion is, if it's tension or terror or dismay or, or a tender emotional moment or, whatever, or proud to be American, whatever we're feeling, he kept saying, make me feel the most of that emotion that we can, uh-huh. <clears throat> which is great because action music is there to drive propulsion, which is very important in a movie like this, but the heart and soul of the movie is the emotional journey, um, and Antoine was really important in helping guide me there. All right, all right. And how do you... And- was finding that ba- I mean, how do you with the? I feel like with a movie like this, the the pacing is and the kind of approach is very essential. Uh, how do you kind of find that balance of emotion and adrenaline in that score? Well, you know, I told Anselm what I wanted to do. My aspiration for the score was to have an unapologetically old school element, which is kind of the, for lack of a better term, Jerry Goldsmith kind of you know, approach where it's big, melodic, and orchestral. Those orchestra gestures are very grand. Mm-hmm. At the same time, something very 2013, something very gritty, electronic, and subterranean without giving away the plot as to why that's needed. Um, you know, and that's the blend that I think is the winning combo for us is, you know, that journey, emotional journey is supported by the music in both its color textures, you know. Right, right, right. Um, it, there's a time to be wide and scoping and vista-like. There's a time to be insular and, and kind of um, in, in a pressure cooker, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And with a, with a film like this, uh, how essential is it to be, for I guess from your point of view, to be aware of the rest of the sound design, the sound effects and the cutting and the editing uh, when you're scoring action? Does that affect your writing when you know your music will be playing alongside um, a lot of sound effects? Well, of course it affects, but I mean, in terms of my point of view, it's it's like it's like breathing for me. I mean, I'm always following the cut and the speed of the cut and the color of the picture and the sound effects, regardless of the genre. Uh-huh. So it's, it's, it just is part of who I am and what I do. So, you know, there's, um, <clears throat> but interestingly enough to that point, there's a big scene in real two where there's a big, a big gun battle. And instead of doing big, big, big music, we actually went the other way, did more of a minimalist approach to let the sound effects, you know, which he knew had to sound big, right. uh, just be big, you know? So there was sort of some strategy involved there too. Which I love. I love when uh, when the composers kind of take a they know when to to quiet down and let the sound design really just like absorb the the listener. That's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> so 
for you, when you, what was the most appealing aspect of Olympus Has Fallen to you? Like when you started writing, what was the first thing that really grasped onto you? Was it the plot? Was it the the, the act, the the writing, the the characters? Like what really drove your? Well, first things first is is Antoine. He was the most exciting part about the movie for me. Is working with with him. You know, um, I'm a fan. Um, I was a fan before I you know worked with him on the movie, but. Um, he's just one of those directors that I, I just I just sort of had an instinct that we would get along really great, and it proved true. Uh-huh. So that was an exciting to have the, your your co-pilot, your your collaborator, be someone like Antoine. And then you know I like you I love movies like this. You know what I mean? But Antoine I always called it a popcorn movie masquerading as you know a very serious you know dramatic you know arc. So right, right. And he he really aspired for this movie to feel real, and yeah, it's going to be entertaining, and it is all that. But we aspired for it to feel like you really go from the from the height to the bottom and back up again through this journey, and and musically that was what I latched onto is let's follow the story. I mean, I I, I fancy myself a musical storyteller anyway, uh, and to follow the narrative of this movie really meant going from wide Copeland-esque vistas of the the height of the American power to us being taken down to our lowest and back up again. So that's the journey that I went on. And there, there it seems to be a lot, kind of a dash of American patriotism in in the film. And being Canadian, how'd you how'd you reflect that in the music? <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, you feel patriotism wherever you're from. So right, so right. It was, it was, you know, but I've lived in the United States for you know 13 years now, so I'm, you know, this is as much home as any place else too. But the idea of, of belonging to something and the idea of of you know of belonging to something bigger than yourself is a universal theme. It happens to be America in this particular movie, but, you know, um, it wasn't that hard to grab onto. Oh, that's good. <laughs> uh, now, I, ca- I also want to touch on uh, a great show that you composed for, uh, which was 666 Park Avenue, uh, which must have been so much fun for you, but unfortunately, you know, the show got uh, canceled, and that's part of the business. Uh, how does that feel, I guess, from your point of view and the rest of the cast and the crew, when you get that news that no one really wants to get? Like, what, what kind of goes through your mind when that process happens that was a great show i'm sorry to see it, it go but um you know it's sort of the gods of television decide that right, yeah thing. yeah but you know you get a show like that it's kind of rare the acting is fantastic the actors are obviously iconic and terry o'quinn and the backdrop is manhattan and it has that kind of whole you know um um you know the devil's advocate kind of you know theme to it. it it was a ton of fun to write especially as a serialized show because you get to sort of develop those themes each week and carry them over to the next thing and watch them grow and you know one of the first cues over for the pilot was their their i guess love theme or their relationship theme mm-hmm. this little simple piano motif and it carried through literally the entire arc of the show it just it was one of those themes that just worked you know and that's the beauty of exploring television, that movies don't get to do that, and that's why I, I really enjoy television, too. Yeah, yeah, and your television work is amazing. I mean, you, you know, you have the two, two, Emmys, two Emmys to to show, so... <laughs> Thank you. Um, and so, also, I follow you on Twitter, and I notice that you love to express your love of wine quite a bit. Does the wine drinking help with the score writing? <laughs> it surely helps after a tough day, doesn't it? You know, um, you know, I'm a wine lover, and um, you know, there there are certain things in life that I feel are all connected. Not to get too deep on the subject, but music and say love or relationships or food or wine or even science, to a certain way, there's there's something about big ideas like that, things that are timeless, like 
you know, if you're into cooking and you're baking your grandmother's recipe for something, it, you can go back in time in a way, if you know what I mean. Right, right, yeah. They've been making wine for as long as there's been any kind of recorded history and the art and science of making it, and it's, it's consumed in a linear way, the way music is. You start it, you finish it, then you think back on it, you know. There's a lot of analogies to making and enjoying one as there is to making and enjoying music. So that part of it appeals to me, and it's an intellectual pursuit, and it's just a passion. So it's it's a great, you know, and it tastes good. So there's that. Uh, absolutely. Uh, that's really cool. I love bringing kind of world connections into music and making it uh, all the more personal and, and definitely shows in your work. And so that's really cool. Uh, well, to wrap up, I always uh, like to ask composers if you could score any film ever made with no disrespect to the original composer, uh, which film would you choose? And in our last interview, you said Star Wars. Is that is that your same same answer? I probably I probably have to stick with that, although it's tough because it's one of your my favorite scores. So uh -huh. I might maybe I'll switch it over to just to be different. Maybe I'll switch it over to. Um, like how about aliens? You know, okay. the, either the Ridley Scott or the or the James Cameron one, that sort of thing. But you know, those sort of movies, I, I love those sort of movies. And Star Wars Seven, you know, is is a great source of speculation as to who will be scoring it. Right, right. I mean, if the phone rang and they said we want to score Star Wars Seven, I mean, I would be you know <laughs> over the moon. So um, you know, that it's just because I connect to that. You know, obviously, it's a global phenomenon as a as a movie franchise, but. I connect with it because it was one of my first experiences with the movies as a kid, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's, it's, stuck, it's been a friend with me my whole life. That's the great thing about movies or music or things like that. I, you know, I remember, I remember the movie the summer I had my first girlfriend, you know, wow. things like that, you know? <laughs> and I remember where I was when Indiana Jones came out, and I remember where I was when I saw The Fugitive and on and on. So, you know, those connections are part of who you are. It's a fabric of what makes you you. So, yeah, yeah, you absolutely. Know, Star Wars has been with me for so long it, it's tough to not put that at the top. Oh, it should be very exciting to see uh, what J.J. Uh, does with number uh, the new trilogy, of if he stays with the entire trilogy or not. So, that should be really cool. But also, maybe I should ask to twist that question. If you could score a film or a series in any historical time period, what would it be that you haven't done yet? Uh, I've done a lot of those <laughs> time periods. <laughs> um, you know, um, I would say, you know, kind of the... I was watching Master and Commander of the Far Side of the World was on TV the other day. Great film. And yeah. I love that whole strategist, you know, maybe Napoleon or, you know, those sort of great, the great, uh, you know, ship battles. That, that kind of strategy stuff really appeals to me because it's sort of a lot of thinking involved. Uh-huh. It's got the brains and the brawn mixed together. Um yeah, I know Spielberg's doing a miniseries about Napoleon, so I'll be right, I'll be right. asking the agents about that one, that's for sure. Yeah, that's that's. I think he's basing it off of uh, what Kubrick uh, started doing back like in the '70s. So that should be really cool. Yeah. So, but uh, uh, Trevor, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I'm out of questions for you, but it was always a great pleasure to talk to you, and of course to listen to your music. And uh, can't wait to to see what you cooked up for Olympus Has Fallen. I haven't gotten to listen to anything yet, but. Uh, I cannot wait. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.